What's going on, everyone? And welcome to another episode of Writing Friction. And as always, today's guest is pretty cool and a rarity, a good friend of mine. Uh, usually I talk to people I have no idea I've never met. Uh, this dude I've had a couple of experiences with over my life, for sure. <laughs> Everyone say hello to Afterthought and my dear friend, Ryan Haynes. How are you, Ryan? Good, man. Good. Happy to uh, happy to be here talking to you. Yeah, no, most def. And we're talking at a time where you are now kind of gearing back up live show. I mean, things are starting to kind of happen now. We're recording this, you know, I guess post-pandemic, right? Uh, yeah, carried over. What people do this now? I mean, I don't know. I have no idea. It's just, dude, I went out last night. I saw live music for the first time last night. In- That's fire. Yeah, I mean, because again, SF and California, they've been doing, you know, it's been such a fucking drag here. It's been taking forever. But uh, where are you now? I, I've kind of lost location of you. Where in Pittsburgh. Um, okay. Just got the house, just in a little, in a little office. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's definitely been weird. We, what did I go? I've been, I, I went to a couple Penguins games. It's been like kind of limited capacity here. So we've been doing some stuff. Um, but I went to Forbidden Kingdom Festival this past week or two weekends ago, uh, and that was like, okay, cool. I think we're back because it was it was a lot of people. I mean, that's your vibe, dude. And I mean, you know, we've talked about this before, probably over lunch or something like that. But I've told you, you know, you have in- you introduced me to like the back scenes of a world that I never really was, you know, a part of. Um, and for people listening and for people who don't know, um, I mean, you've been DJing, you've been after it for a long fucking time. I mean, you've been when people talk about a dude who's touring, what he's doing, I mean, you've done it, man. Um but we started from the same place in a town called Mawa, New Jersey, but we kind of end up in different places, man. Uh, kind of take us back. How did you get to where you are now, man? I mean, how did it all start for you? Um, long, long, long road, really. Um, I started the musical, the musical journey, I guess, um, by uh, working on some stuff when I was in college. I was in North Carolina. Um, I was getting a business degree, just started like tinkering around, doing some engineering, figuring some stuff out. And I, I, I just, I liked it. I liked it way more than I liked doing business at, you know, at college. Yeah. So Were you making, making beats and stuff like that. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, kind of, it was really rudimentary then it was still very new. Um, I mean, not to tell our age, but you know, it wasn't as in depth. So even just like having a computer to run stuff wasn't like, I mean, I think that I just got my first like color flip phone at that point. You know what I mean? yeah, so yeah, yeah. It wasn't really, uh, you know, it wasn't as prevalent now. So <clears throat> you had to go to studios and things like that. So I was starting to kind of tinker around there and figure that stuff out. Um, and I was trying to get into audio engineering school and it was funny because <laughs> I got in randomly from another Mawaiian Mawa <laughs> um, by seeing uh, Les Paul in that mag- in the magazine randomly. And it's funny because I tell people Les Paul lived in Mawa and people still to this day, they, they don't really, they're like, no, he didn't. I'm like, he lived, like, wasn't his house from a bird's eye view 
the shape of a Les Paul, or wasn't that like the rumor or something like that? Yeah, I think that was a rumor. That was definitely a rumor. He he didn't <laughs> live too far from our, our our second house and like yeah. or like our first house, I guess. But um, we he it was like that brown. It was just like a brown house off of like that little bridge road, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, off of two hundred two, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, like yeah. Out there by like Rampo Reservation. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I was yeah. like out there. On the uh, other side of Rio Vista, like the back. Yeah, side. yeah, 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 yeah. Like kind of out. Exactly. So um, I just was saw him in this magazine and I was like, let's figure this out. So we tracked it down, basically tracked him down. And he wrote like a little recommendation letter for me randomly, uh, like out of nowhere. And got me into the into crafts, into this audio engineering school. Um, I've been trying to get in that gave the little extra push to finally, I guess, get in They called. Um, but I only had two weeks to transfer all of my stuff from, from North Carolina to ASU for my other degree. Um, <clears throat> so it was a challenge to kind of pack all my stuff. I didn't have a place to live. I didn't yeah. know anybody there. Um, and I just kind of made it happen. I somehow got my credits transferred. Everything worked out. Uh, when I got there, I stayed in a hotel for a week. Um, tried to figure it out that way, <laughs> found a roommate and just started doing it. Just started going to school and just, um, kind of just kept following the path. Uh, a lot of broke times, a lot of, you know, ridiculous situations and learning in school and working for different entertainment companies. Um, eventually made it out to California after school, worked for, for like Interscope. And well, can I, can I, let me stop you there. I'm going to, I got a couple of questions. Um, yeah. You said, oh, yeah, you said audio school. I mean, I, I went to audio school probably due to around the same time. I went to what now no longer exists, but it was called the Institute of Audio Research. And when I was there, this was like 2000 shit, seven ish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I was like 2007, 2008. I was working on an M box two with pro Tools 6.0 6.0.1. Yep, that sounds about exact. I mean, I definitely remember the the, the M box. I don't even remember. Uh, you know, we had some towers at school, we had some rooms, but yeah, it was it was definitely not what it is today. I think yeah, logic yeah. had logic had just come out like not okay. too long, like, not too long after that, but at the same time period, reason was still a thing. It was like reason four or something. You know? Like it was. Uh, Cubase, all that shit. It's funny because I mean, you you look back on it now, and it was kind of like the Wild West. Even though Pro Tools was, and and I mean, arguably still is the industry standard when it comes to you know yeah. major productions. I, I can't speak too much on the hip hop side. I, I don't really work with hip hop that much. Yeah, definitely you know? Pro Tools for vocals and stuff. Yeah, like that. it's just kind of always what it is. So when I went to school, dude, it was just it was strictly Pro Tools. What were you fucking with back then? So it was uh, the 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 school was like a nine month program. I remember only having Thanksgiving Day and Christmas Day off. That was mm-hmm. it. Those were the days that we had off. Mine, yeah, mine was ten months. Yeah, so it was like, it, but we did you know half day, just all day. You know, you know, half the day for. I think it was like I would go at like seven thirty, and I would get done at like noon, and then I would go to ASU. You know. Um, but we learned everything, bro. We had we had music business, we had live sound, we had foley and like composition. So like they stripped away, you know, four minutes of the Pirates Caribbean, and you had to do everything. Like you know, um, we did video game sound, we did surround sound, we did live sound. 
We had to do a commercial for uh no, I'm sorry, we had to we had to dub music over the trailer for the first Saw movie. Oh uh, yeah. So yeah, same same kind of thing. They took the first three minutes of of, of uh Pirates of the Caribbean and made yeah. us do yeah. all the Foley and do all that stuff. Yeah. Um but I was focused more or less on live sound. That was kind of my my focus, but I was still learning everything else. I got a, you know, I got certified in Pro Tools. Certified in logic, all that stuff yeah. uh, along the way, and was learning, but that's kind of what I wanted to do. Um, and that's what I was interested in. More so, about. were you DJing any shows back at ASU? I mean, had you started to do any kind of live shit back then? Not at all. I was kind of like rapping a little bit and singing and just kind of like doing my thing, um, having fun with it as like a vocalist, um, doing some production, but no, not really. I mean, not on any serious level and not anything to be taken seriously. So, I mean, was there any, then the, I mean, how did you end up playing, you know, shoreline amphitheater? What was the, you know, how did that crossover happen? How did you kind of get um, to the live side of it? Just that took a long, a long time. Um, a lot of internships, a lot of stuff. I ended up going to WVU or starting at WVU to get my master's um, and dropping out because I, did, I just didn't want to do business. My business wasn't my yeah. my thing that I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and I fell into DJing just because DJs kept basically canceling on promoters and, and people. Um, and that's kind of how I started DJing. And that took me along a different journey. <laughs> and... Um, just put me in the position to work with a ton of artists and DJ for a ton of artists, manage artists, uh, work with bigger promoters, work with bigger artists, just in any capacity. Um, and just hard work, just kind of getting lucky, hard work and following the path. But yeah, I didn't start DJing until halfway through. Halfway through what? Uh, Halfway through like my career, I guess, or halfway through, you know, the musical, the musical run of things that I started, um, I had no intention of DJing at all and it just kind of fell into it. And I finally got to start doing more singer songwriter stuff, more, you know, producing whether it be EDM or whatever. Um, so it's been cool recently, but yeah, it was definitely a long road and, and it took a long time to get there. Yeah. So back in those days when you kind of first started DJing, what city were you in? I was in Morgantown. So I was in West Virginia uh, at WVU when I first started DJing. Uh-huh. And I just kind of hit a ceiling there. There wasn't really much more to do. And when I actually left Morgantown, I went to I went to a place called Saxonburg, right outside of Butler. That's like 40 minutes from Pittsburgh. And it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. And I just worked for a medical company. I worked for a medical sterilization company. I was making like 60 grand a year. Yeah. And I coached uh, JV and varsity ice hockey at Knox High School for like two or three years. Like didn't even do music. And were you, I mean, was it just to do something? Were you kind of stuck? Were you in between? I mean, were were you thinking about music as a career at that point? Um, Not at all. I was like, hey man, I'm making some good money. (laughs) I'm just chilling. Um, that was the most money I'd ever made by far to that point in my life. So yeah. I was, you know, I was, I was playing hockey like three or four times a week. I don't care in the world. I just kind of worked and just did whatever it was. It was this place where you worked four days, one week and two days, the next, and you worked like 12 hour shifts. And it yeah, was okay. super easy stuff. And I worked six to six. So it wasn't too crazy. Um, 
So I didn't really have any complaints. I never had anything to like, you know, to complain about or to to really justify diving into this world of music again. And I think the turning point was just, I kind of just got the itch. I was just like, man, like, what if? You know, I'm still young. Why get stuck? You know, you're like in your your mid twenties at this point. Yeah, mid mid twenties. Um, just still had a lot of fight left in me, especially for that. So, you know, yeah. I don't just settle for this even though that some people might you know, be happy with this. I don't want to settle for it. So um, it was a good call too, because about a year later, the company got sold to, to, to Bayer and they just changed everything anyway. So all those people lost their jobs, but um, this is really random. It wasn't, wasn't planned. So did you start spinning records in Pittsburgh? I mean, were you, how did you kind of make that foray? I mean, is there a scene there? Were you building? Yeah. So it was in like this low, like right after Mac and Wiz kind of popped off and Mac Miller and Wiz Khalifa. Correct. Uh Um, So they kind of just like, just had blown up at this point. Okay. And and there was this low in the city was a lot of like out of town promoters that were kind of screwing people. And it just wasn't the the most savory of scenes at, at that time. Um, it was the tail end of the shadow lounge and tail end of a lot of things. So <clears throat> we started trying to do things and a lot of the venues were burned out. Nobody wanted to do anything. Um, hard, hard little clicks to get into. And we started throwing shows out in Butler, which is like way far from, from Pittsburgh. Yeah. Started selling out fire halls with like the yin yang twins and Butler's Flores, these random people. Um, they ran the bands, just doing our things, curating events, bringing people from the city. And they're like, wow, these shows are better than in the city. You were booking so, all kinds of music. Yeah. For the most part, I mean, yeah. we were just doing everything. I had a couple of Jordan Lyles, one of my best friends. He, he kind of was like our silent investor and, and, you know, helped us pay for everything. And we just started getting acts and doing everything we could. And it trickled down into Pittsburgh where people were like, Oh, nice. They're, they're doing pretty well. Yeah. Let's see what they can do here. Started getting some opportunities. Um, you know, got invited to go on some tours with some different artists. Bubba Sparks being the first one, super random. Was that your first time ever on tour? Yeah. Do you, do you oh, remember sorry. your first tour? Do I? Yeah. Yeah, of course. What, what was your first tour? Um, Oh, okay. I thought you were saying, do you remember it? But, um, <laughs> cause <laughs> there's some that are very big. Um, but yeah, no, it was, uh, it was about the Sparks tour. That was, yeah. the, that was the first tour that I'd ever been on. Um, followed by French Montana. Um, that wasn't you know, really all that long, but what was your role on, were you DJing? What were you doing? I was like performing at the, so I was DJing on the, on the Bubba Sparks one, just strictly DJ. It was me and a band. I've never uh, DJed with a band before. So that was different, um, way different type of venues. And I was used to way country or scene. Were you um, in like the South middle of the country kind of thing? Yeah, definitely. I think yeah. we're, you know, Nashville, Charlotte, um, all the stuff in between Arkansas, Memphis, Tennessee, you know, all that type of stuff. And had that been your first time ever in those places? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 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 I've been a, a lot of them. Some of them not, not, um, some of the North Carolina stuff I've been to, obviously. Um, but a lot of them, yeah. Like Arkansas, yeah. I've never been to Vegas. It's, yeah. It's a lot of stuff. So we did a bunch of USO shows at uh, Marine bases. That was cool. Oh, no shit, really? Yeah, it was cool. Okay, okay. And I'm, so I'm assuming that, I mean, it seemed, that seems like a pretty big jump. You know, you're kind of in the clubs in Pittsburgh area. And then, you know, I mean, Bubba Sparks was probably, he was at his 
I mean, I, what year are we talking about? Like late um, 2008, 2009? 2010, 2011. Oh, okay. Okay. Maybe, yeah, somewhere in 2012 even maybe, but like he wasn't he wasn't in his prime, that's for okay. sure. I mean, he was still, you know, doing his thing touring, but it definitely wasn't in his prime and it was it was cool like niche events, like cool like country festivals and Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, you know, and then he had some club shows and and they were cool. It was it was a different vibe. Um but it was cool. It wasn't. It wasn't bad. We were probably doing like three hundred cap rooms. Uh, and at that point, I mean, you know, knowing you now, and you I mean you wear fucking seventeen thousand different hats when I see you on tour. At that point, were you even paying attention to the TM? I mean, were you paying attention to any of the fi- any of the background shit, or were you just having yeah, a good time? yeah, kind of just because it was like very limited as far as. You know, we were in a sprinter. Um, it was a nice sprinter. First time I ever saw like a nice sprinter like that too. Um, but it was very gra- you know, grassroots. So we all were kind of pitching in to help each other. Um, so everybody kind of knew what was going on. Um, so it was cool um, to watch for sure. And I definitely paid attention. It was it was all learning. But let's start. Yeah, Ooh, but, but then but then when you hit that, so I'm assuming through that, through the connections, is kind of how you start building up onto the next thing. And on was it a pretty natural progression? Yes and no. Uh, a lot of luck, but just the amount of work that I was putting in comparably. And I don't like to like toot my own horn. Like, oh, you know, it's working harder than everybody else. But I mean, I. I well, know, you being, fucking hustle. I mean, if you hustle, you know, you get, you get, you know, yeah. Yeah. I, I personally, you know, I couldn't work any harder personally. Mm-hmm. I was just going as hard as I possibly could in every aspect. And I think that helped with the progression more than anything, obviously, along with just networking, being able to, especially in the city, just kind of blossom out and not have to necessarily ride the coattails of Mac and Liz off the bat. And that's where a lot of people were kind of going after was getting kind of put on by them. And they definitely helped me way, 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 way big amounts of, you know, everything that they helped me with. But at the time I did, I wasn't, you know, I, I didn't really need that. I was doing my own thing and it was kind of like, who the hell is this dude? So and social media, I mean, it was hardly even around at that point. Yeah. It was just starting. I mean, it was just starting. I remember in college, it was my junior year, and you had to have. I think I brought Facebook. I was one of the people that brought it to ASU because nobody had it. You had to have the ASU email, and yeah. a couple of us had to like verify it, and then everybody was allowed to get it. <laughs> well, I mean, I, the biggest thing I want to ask you now, I mean, since. You know, we've had a couple of different musicians on, you know, people who've been in the business for a long time and you've been in it long enough to now maybe see changes in it. What's the, what are some of the biggest changes you've seen when you started doing this as opposed to, you know, let's say 10 years later, you know, now, you know, I mean, what are some, any big things that kind of pop out? I mean, uh, the, the obvious, the obvious things with streaming and social media, it's been, yeah. It's just been a lot different of a process. You don't have to. When I first started, it was a lot of grassroots, a lot of just word of mouth, a lot of still that kind of old school mentality and slinging CDs. Shit. Yeah, I mean, yeah. When I first started, yeah, CDs were still like a thing. Like that was what you did. You had to slang CDs and get people yeah. to listen to it and do whatever. And now it's like, check me out on Spotify or whatever. 
and it's awesome, but it's definitely a different game. And and I think that it's cool getting to see both. Like when we were growing up, like we had a good chunk, little chunk of our lives where we didn't have the internet. We didn't have, you know what I mean? Like we, we, we had it maybe, but it was very, it was the beginning, you know, it wasn't. Uh, Yeah. We were the end. Our generation was the end of, you know, well, literally the physical format of music. Right. So like our right. like baby boomer parents would give each other records and shit. Like I can remember being on a bus on our Washington DC eighth grade trip and Shane Kelly gave me a copy of uh dude ranch by blink One Eighty Two, the CD. And yeah. you know, it's just like, that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, how artists interact with their audience has completely shifted just in five years, let alone 10 or 20 years, um, you know, even how they make their money. Um, Pandemic accelerated a lot of those, uh, a lot of those as well, just because you had to kind of fight and figure out different ways to connect and what's really working, what's not. Um, so yeah, I think the pandemic definitely accelerated that, that mentality even further than it, than it might have been to this point. Uh, just, I mean, uh, what, well, leading up to the pandemic, I mean, you know, you got the music, everything was just fucking going full force a thousand times. It kind of stopped. You know, I know you did some, you know, you're doing your own everything. You know, I'm, everyone's doing their own thing right now. But now it seems to be the world's kind of coming back together. Uh, I wanted to ask you going forward, you know, is there a clog up with tours now? Has it been difficult to kind of book things? Uh, how far? Yeah. yeah I mean, how? Is it any different? Are you having to deal with like capacity de- issues and shit? Yeah, like that? so there's a lot of stuff going on, especially with me personally, because I, I'm an artist, but I also tour manage a bunch of acts and yes. assistant tour manage and production manage and do a bunch of stuff for a lot of people uh, that are way bigger than me. <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, that are way, way, way bigger than me. So I have to deal with um, like I'm just I'm, I'm advancing Lollapalooza right now for three different acts. So okay. I'm, I'm you know I'm, I'm doing that. I'm doing, there's all these other festivals that I have to advance for other people and 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 kind of switch hats and, and be their their person. You know, um, so just being able to see that side of it and see with my agents, their agents, a lot of stuff's carrying over from before. So there's a lot of recycled lineups or a lot of recycled things. There's a lot of people that had crazy momentum before the pandemic. Yeah. They're now doing nothing. And there's the opposite. There's people that came out of nowhere that weren't doing anything. Let let me ask you this. I mean, the people who were, you know, hitting their stride before the pandemic and now they're not doing shit. Is that because, I mean, what is that laziness? Is that just, um, I think it could be attributed to some 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 people just being lazy, some people just not having the capacity to adapt to yeah. what was going on. I think you know, there's a lot of people that, and, and and you know, there's just so many different factors. Like I have friends that are from different countries that are from you know that are from Australia. That, that one in particular, and I'm not going to say any names or anything, but he, I think he, you know, he got screwed really bad. He, he got. You know, great guy had everything going for him. Was really, and he still does. He's not one of the guys that fell off, but he he was supposed to come to a bus tour, and he got over here, and he, you know, he 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 was he spent all the advance money and did that type of stuff, and and not all, but like you know, spent a bunch of money to get over here, made arrangements, did all that stuff, took care of his stuff at home, you know, did all that type of stuff, and then came over, and the bus tour lasted like three weeks, or not even three weeks, three shows. So 
fuck. And then have to go try to figure out how to, you know, get your travel and pay to get back home to make sure in amidst everybody panicking about a pandemic. So it's like hoarding toilet paper. Yeah, dude, it was it, it was crazy. And like, so I think about people like that who really got screwed and they're still being positive. So it's like, you know, at the end of the day, I'm still blessed to be able to come out the other side, especially with all the opportunities that I have. So um, back to your question, though, with with the clog up, there's definitely a clog up. There's just a lot of a, a lot of things being recycled. And then it's just a ton of people that need money that are just taking whatever. So it's all this stuff. A bunch of promoters <laughs> that weren't promoters that got money, a bunch of closed venues, so stuff moving around. Um, it's it's a lot, man. Yeah, it's definitely clogged and it's definitely it's 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 exciting to see everything come back. But personally, for me being an artist, especially like in the EDM realm and production, um, I'm gonna have to wait six more months, you know, seven more months. When I should have been right at the beginning of the pandemic is when I started really starting to get some some momentum myself and should have been playing festivals and should have been playing stuff. That that was with uh, your own project, right? What was the name of the project? Yeah, just for the Afterthought project. Uh-huh. Uh, and then all the right hand stuff, everything was, you know, coming together very nicely and then working with Earth Gang and working with all these other way bigger artists than me. Um, it was really cool. That was uh that was the last time I think I saw you was that Earth that was the Fillmore in SF I think that uh was that the last show of that tour? I don't know if you remember that, but uh, no, it wasn't the last show of the tour. I remember the Fillmore show. That was amazing. I had a great time. Yeah, well, <laughs> again and again, Ryan is you know he, you've introduced me and I've I've been grateful for this for a while and I've told you this. You've introduced me. You show me some really cool shit. Um, and one of the cool things that night you showed me was in the Fillmore is like, they have that little special room, um, where the soundboard, the back where the lights are, you have to get to that little, it's just a little sliver. There's like, yeah, yeah. you know, for people, there's like a little VIP section. So, you know, Ryan gets to see all this shit and he brings my schmuck ass around. Um, you know, that's, I guess that's the, Dude, I've had some of the best times on tour with you, man. So yeah, well, I was going to say that's the PG version of that story. <laughs> the very PG. Yeah. Very PG yeah <laughs> so, I mean, so how do you, do you see touring changing now? I mean, how artists tour, how they book tours. No, you think it's going to right back to how it fucking was, right? Yeah, it's going to go. I mean, there's changes. There's there's definitely been some a lot of money switch hands and different Ticket prices. I, I they look like they've gone up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's just everything's inflated. Um, mm-hmm. you need to realize too that not not you. I know you specifically know this very well, but I mean, inflation's a thing, bro. It's it's it, it's been a rough year and a half and we've received a lot of money and you're going to you're going to see a lot of things go up regardless. You uh, might turn off a lot. You might get me on a 87 minute conversation right now. <laughs> uh, that's not what this podcast is. About. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true though, man. I mean, you know, you know, I'm a big fan of the band Fish. Everyone knows that. And, you know, their tickets went up 15 bucks a ticket. Um, you know, and but I mean, they have to pay for things. And there's, totally, I get know, it, man. I get it. Just everybody lost a year and a half of yeah. income and, and, you know, a lot of people lost a lot of money too, just on tours because mm-hmm. there's a lot of companies that went under that people paid for certain things. There's just, just so much going on, man, that, you know, I'm, I'm just blessed that things are, are coming back and that we have shows to go to and that we're able to, to, to just survive through it and, and see the other side. I know a lot of people that stop jobs and stuff that are musicians yeah. that were full-time musicians and it sucks. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, out of all the hats you wear, is there one you actually prefer? I mean, is there, do you like being a TM kind of being in the background shooting all females and shit, or do you want to be on stage giving out, you know, um, I want to be shit like that. I mean, what's uh, I want to be on stage just because I've gotten the opportunity to, but it's always for somebody else, I guess. Uh, well, 90% of the time it was, in, you know, in support of somebody else. Most of So I really want to have and embrace the, the challenge and the opportunity to do things for myself as myself. But as I get older, I think that the, Traveling sucks for the family, so that's 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 the first thing. It's just it's just a hard thing to maintain, um, but it pays the most. So it's like, and you have to do it. So it's kind of a double edged sword. But I, I'd like to to do more of the TM stuff, more of the background things, just so you know I don't have to do it as much and still you know. Yeah, see, I mean, I love that shit. I've talked to you about this before. I mean, I booked all the tours for every ba- I. If there was a tour I was on, I booked it. I mean, you know, so I've had to deal with all that shit and, and just hanging out with you backstage, kind of watching you do it in the background. You know, it, it's something I love and it's something people don't really think about, you know, when you're on a production of, you know, when you're playing rooms of 1,000, 3,000, 5,000, things like that, you know, people don't, you know, a lot of business goes into the, a lot of contracts. Yeah. Of that shit. Yeah, I think a lot of people just think, you know, sell and, a ticket. Yeah. Here's some money. Next, next. Yeah, year. yeah, and, and it should be. That should be the consumer's thought about it. They shouldn't think too much past that, right? It should just be like, okay, cool. I'm gonna have a good time, whatever. But yeah, man, I, I try not to to talk too big up of myself, but it's definitely hard. It's definitely a hard world, man. Especially doing all this stuff, and you, and you get to see. You definitely get to see a different world with when when you know I'm in town or we're together because I just. I don't even care. You're just you're working. You're working all fucking day. Yeah, you're just. I just. You know, it's different than than other people that I might facilitate or like bring them. You know, bring them. Hey, stand here for the show. Go to the thing. You're basically with me running around. You're basically working the show. Yeah, you took me on a day of warp tour. Uh, And it's from eight a.m. to fucking. I mean that one. That one. Luckily, I didn't really get to. Yeah, did we go out afterwards? (laughs) That was. That was. Yeah. (laughs) That's a lot but um, they luckily book tour. That was probably with me and you doing stuff at shows. That was probably the least amount of responsibility. Totally, totally. Yeah, but you're (laughs) feet all day. I mean, yeah, like I'm hanging out with you, dude. You got fucking seventeen different phones. you know, <laughs> and, but also like you're, you're, but like half it's social media. Then you got to fucking, you know, you, I've been, I've been with you on a bus where, you know, the artist, you know, you have sends you a fucking email for a clip. You get it on your laptop. You know, you got four joints in your mouth. You know, you're, you're doing that. <laughs> and like, and I'm looking at, it, I'm like, this is how it is. Like, you know, fucking shit gets done. Dudes can party. You all can get after it, but you guys still get shit done. Um, yeah. I mean, it's dope it's- to see. You, you have to get shit done. Nobody yeah. gets paid and none of that is a reality without getting shit done. And I recognize that no matter if everybody yeah. else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. Cause again, it's just a different, it's a different vibe. It's the artist vibe and the business side vibe. And most, huh? The, the, the artist side helps too. Cause I, I can also just be like, Hey, this is how I, I would want things to happen. This is how, this is what I like, you know? And, and you're like sympathetic to it almost. Right. 
That's why I also, but, but you're also the, the opposite too. When you know shit's bullshit, you're like, all right, bro, fuck you. Like, stop being like that. <laughs> Even down to like the monitor mix, you know what I mean? Like if shit doesn't sound right on stage, I mean, you know, you, you're sensitive to that kind of stuff. You're, you're aware of what's right. happening. Um, you're not some dude who just was hired by the label and whatever, whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's dope. Well, dude, fucking thanks so much for taking the time, man. Um, what's, where do people, I know you're being on social media. Do you have all the dates and shit for what's going on in the future? Is um, yet? We're, we're, we're booking a bunch of stuff for me. solo. I just signed a ton of records to a bunch of labels and we have pretty much rollouts all the way through the beginning of next year. So yeah. we're, we're just getting all that stuff together. Um, and I'm starting to, to put together some, sh- some shows personally. I have a ton of stuff to do with all the acts that I'm working with as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to start doing shows more in the fall um, uh-huh. personally, uh, but I, yeah, I'll definitely be putting it everywhere. All of my socials for DJ Afterthought are at DJ Afterthought. They're all the same. Um, the Ryan Haynes stuff is all Ryan Haynes at Ryan Haynes music. Um, but yeah, it's just all over YouTube, Instagram, all that. Yeah. Nonsense. All right. Well, dude, we love it, man. We love it so much. (laughs) All right, man. I will talk to you later then, dude. Cool, man. Thank you so much for having me. Most definitely. I'll talk to you later. All right. Peace, bro.